I've been feeling led over the last few weeks to to do something a little differently. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be teaching more than preaching on Sunday morning uh, on this subject called living a blessed life. Um, It's probably not going to be as much discussion it's going to be more lecture style than it would be on a Wednesday night but I really feel led that we are going to slay some giants through uh, the principles that we learn and put into play from this lesson series that we're going to be doing and it's called living a blessed life and today's lesson is putting God first but I wanted us to start I asked sister Tryon this morning if she could just help me um, in singing this song, I, I'm not a very good singer, as you all know, and so y'all gonna all kind of have to help me out a little bit. My wife's moving to grab a microphone so she can drown me out. <laughs> but it's this little course that I learned when I was a boy, and it's called "I Am Blessed." I am blessed. You got the words on the screen, if you would, just sing it with us for a few times through. I am blessed. I am blessed. Every day that I live, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning, where I lay. Amen. Amen. Are you blessed today? Amen. 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 I am blessed. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You can be seated. We we truly are blessed. God has bestowed 
so many blessings upon us. Hopefully you have a copy of notes. I, I'll be getting into notes in just a little bit. I feel it kind of, let me lay some foundation uh, first. I, I think sometimes we, we struggle singing songs like that because we don't necessarily really even know what it means to be blessed. Um, we, we, not, we're, we don't necessarily believe it. And so we sing the words, but are we even sure that, that we believe what we're singing when things aren't going exactly right? When there's tragic situations that occur, when we're not quite sure how we're going to pay all the bills, when, we're, when, when, when there's kind of chaos going on in our home and, or on our job, we're, you know, sometimes we wonder, are we... Am I really am I really blessed? I don't really feel blessed right now. Well, you know, it's interesting. I've always enjoyed uh, reading through the Amplified Bible. And uh, whenever you see the word blessed in the Amplified Bible, in brackets you see this phrase, happy, fortunate, to be envied. And the amp- that's the Amplified's way of saying that to be blessed means... That we are happy, we are fortunate, and we are to be envied. And there's a thing out now called the Amplified Classic Version, and it adds it like this. It, it says, happy, fortunate, to be envied. And listen to this last part, and this is a long little phrase, but it says, spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation regardless of their outward conditions. So we're happy. To say we're blessed means that we are happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation regardless of our outward conditions. So I I think sometimes we get the wrong idea about being blessed. We think it means that everything is smooth sailing. Everything in our lives are perfect. There's no storms. There's no contrary winds. There's no opposition. There's no battles to fight. There's no giants yelling at us. We always have an abundance of the good material things in life. Uh, uh, We're wealthy and everyone is always at peace and harmony with us and there's never any trouble. That's what it means to be blessed, right? And if that was the case, I don't know if I've ever been blessed. <laughs> Somehow, I, I think we get this idea that our blessings are tied to the outward appearance of things and the ease of our living conditions. And that's why some of us were having a hard time singing that song a while ago. Because we don't really feel blessed. But being blessed is not a feeling. It's a state and a condition of being. That's why we say being blessed. We, we don't necessarily understand all of that. But does your life feel, when you really look at it, Are there things to be happy about in your life? 
Are there things that people look at in your life and say, wow, I wish I had that? To be envied? Do you have satisfaction in God's favor and in his salvation? We're blessed. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. And I really want to challenge us to get a little bit of a different viewpoint of the things that cause us to be blessed. And I'd like to challenge our church, and really we should do this every day, but especially this week, start your day with a prayer of gratitude and thankfulness. There's an old song that says, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings and see what God hath done. And when you begin to do that, man, I feel the presence of the Lord right now. Just a gentle little touch, just, just kind of on my shoulders right now. I just feel the touch of the Holy Ghost right now. Man, when, when we'll just get an attitude of gratitude and we'll start saying thank you for even the little things like, oh, I woke up this morning. The heat's still on in my house, even though it's getting cold outside. I, I've got a car to drive to work and I've got a little, just enough, even if it's just enough, I've got enough gas to get to work. I've got a job to go to. Lord, thank you for the fact that, that I got my children are still alive. Thank you for the fact that, that, that I'm still here. Thank you for the fact that I got some food to eat. I might not be eating filet mignon and lamb chops every single day and lobster tails, but, but I got food and, and, and it's pretty good and, and I'm thankful. I, I don't have to, you know, I, I'm, Lord, thank you for those blessings. Thank you for the fact that that the very fact that I woke up this morning means there's another chance of mercy in my life because his mercies are brand new every morning thank you Lord Jesus that I was baptized in your name and you washed my sins away and you filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost oh hallelujah thank you that you live inside me thank you Lord that you delivered me from all that stuff years and years ago thank you Lord Man, you start your day like that and pretty good, you're going to be feeling the presence of the Lord and you will feel blessed. Amen. Said I was going to teach. I'm trying to be good. Paul admonishes us in 1 Thessalonians. I'm sorry we're not in the notes yet. I'm still trying to lay a foundation. Just give me a chance here. I got to keep an eye on the time. I won't keep you past 2 o'clock. I promise. There's another church coming in here at 2 o'clock. We won't be that long. I got a pot roast sitting at home. I'm ready to eat, so we won't, we won't be that long. Paul admonishes us in 1 Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. And he follows it up with another admonition right after that to give thanks in every circumstance. And over in Philippians, he tells us not to be anxious for anything or to worry about anything instead we should by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let our requests be made known unto god and the peace of god that passes understanding shall keep our hearts and minds through christ jesus so i wonder sometimes if we miss out on further blessings of god because we don't say thank you for the current blessings that we have You know, I, I, I'm much more likely to do something for someone again if they say thank you for it. 
if they show appreciation. That's right, Sister Trudy. If they show appreciation for it. Years ago, uh, this is, I was in the backslidden state at the time. It's right before I joined the Army. I was dating this girl, and man, I, I thought I was head over heels in love with her, and, and, um, and I bought her this pretty, pretty wonderful, expensive to my you know, in my budget, expensive gift. I saved my money to get it, and she came over to my parents' house for for Christmas time, and and it was on Christmas Eve, and I gave her this gift, and and she had a little daughter that was about six or seven years old, and and I gave I gave this girl this this gift, this Christmas gift, and she opened it up, she looked at it, she said, oh, that's nice, and then handed it to her daughter, and let her daughter carry it all over the place, and by the time we left there, she had broken it. I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> I wasn't feeling the love. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, she must not love me the same way I love her. It wasn't long before that relationship was over. And I'm glad for it because now I got the, the best. <laughs> Amen. Amen. God was keeping me from something, but I had to go through some pain. It hurt. It broke my heart. And honestly, I probably was being more romantic than anything. I knew that thing wasn't going to work out anyway. You know, anyway, we do that sometimes, right? But when we will apply what we're going to be talking about over these next few weeks, we start with a position and a posture of gratitude. And we show appreciation and honor for God for what he's already done for us. It, 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 listen, God, the, the blessings of God, we, we can't earn the favor of God. Don't, I'm not trying to say that. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith. I, we, we can't earn the favor of God, any of that, right? But there are principles that we find in the word of God that if we will apply them, it will position us to stay underneath the windows of heaven when he starts pouring out the blessings upon us. All right, and I'm not just talking about material stuff. I'm just talking, the windows of heaven, you know, yeah, okay, it, you know, it, it talks about bringing you all your tithes into the storehouse and, and, all your, and your offerings and all that stuff so that, he, when, when we do that, he will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. We have room not enough to receive. And, and yes, there's money tied with that and there's material things. But that's, that's not everything we're talking about. Just blessings are not about money. All right? Now, sometimes they come in material form. Sometimes they come in monetary form. Um, and, and one of the ways that we can bless the Lord is by honoring him with the money, that, with the portion of the money by giving our tithes that he, that he has uh, told us to do right we honor him and that's going to be we're going to look at that verse later in proverbs 3 but that's the that's the basis of this whole thing but the blessings are not about material things the material things are often a result of the blessing that's already there it's sometimes a physical manifestation of a spiritual concept that we are already blessed and favored of the Lord because we are aligned properly under the windows where the blessings are flowing from. Amen? 
And so these principles in the word, if we will apply them, will align us with him in such a way that the blessings of God will flow into every area of our lives. We've been talking about revival and harvest, and recently uh, God spoke to me and said there was going to be a 50-soul prodigal revival. And then uh, on the heels of that, God spoke through Brother Galen Thompson and said, you're not only going to have a 50-soul prodigal revival, but God's going to give you a 50-soul revival of those that have never been to your church. And so within the next year, I'm believing that God's going to give us a 100-soul revival. Amen. A hundred souls in a year. It's happened before in this church. There's precedent for it. It's happened before. And I'm not just trying to get on the coattails of Bishop Tryon, but I'm blessed to be, to be a partaker of the labors that him and Sister Tryon have done. And I believe if God did it before, he's going to do it again. Amen? So I believe it, but, but believing is not enough. We've got to position ourselves for the revival. We've got to position ourselves for the harvest. And so God has been telling us, get the nurseries ready for the newborns and get the hospital rooms ready for those that are going to come in that are prodigals, that, that are hurting, that need to be healed. Some of us are going to have to be spiritual nurses. We're going to have to be spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers and big brothers and big sisters and help nurture and care for these souls that are coming in. And Brother Rosa prophesied not too long ago that this church is going to be a healing place. And so people are going to come and they're going to receive healing because of the love that we show them. And it's not just me. Yeah, I'm going to do my best to love everybody in the best way and, and, and with all of my heart and with all the love that God has shown me. But, but it's got to be all of us. We've got to love one another and we've got to love everybody that's coming in these doors. And when we do that, they're going to find healing. They're going to find deliverance. They're going to find salvation. They're going to find restoration. And they're going to learn how to live a blessed life like we're learning how to live. Amen? So what's all that about? Getting the nurseries ready and getting the hospital rooms ready and, 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 and getting ready. What, what, it's all about positioning ourselves in such a way that God can fulfill the promises that he's spoken. Many times we get a prophecy or a promise and we just expect it to happen automatically. And then Two years down the road or six months down the road or six years down the road, we're, we're sitting there wondering why did that prophecy not come to pass? That must have been a false prophet or, or, or I must not have heard from God when he said it. Maybe it's just because you didn't position yourself properly and it's still up there waiting to come down, but you're just not there. God doesn't waste his blessings. He doesn't waste his spirit. He doesn't waste his resources. So he's not going to open up the windows of heaven if there's nobody under him to receive what he's trying to pour out. Amen? I'm not, you guys aren't feeling bad, right? You're not mad at me, right? I'm, 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 just, I'm just getting started, but I... All right, we're, I'm trying to help us live a blessed life, and we're going to get there, okay? So as we close this year out... 2022 and head into 2023 God is positioning us for revival and he's positioning us for harvest and beyond that I really feel strongly through the spirit of God that he is trying to position us in such a way that he is going to bless us like he has never blessed us before 
the windows of heaven are going to open and the blessings of God are going to flow down from above. And I, for one, want us to be right under the windows of heaven when, it, when, he, when they open up. Amen? Amen. I want to be there. I want you to be there. I want our church to be there. I want God to do what he wants to do in our lives. Amen. And that's what this series is all about. Let's get ourselves in position for God to do what he wants to do, what he's already promised that he would do. In Haggai chapter 1, and this is going to be a lengthy reading, but I want to read this to you. And again, this is not in your notes yet. I'm getting there. I promise. I'll try to get there before 2 o'clock. I'm joking. I'm joking. Haggai chapter 1, starting in verse 2, it says, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come that the Lord's house should be built. They're saying that. The reality was they had a command from God and a decree, even from a king, to go back and rebuild the temple that had been destroyed under the Babylonian captivity. But And they had opportunity, they had room, they had resources, and God had given them everything they needed, including the favor of the king that was still over them, to build that house. And the people were saying, well, it's not time yet. God said it, the king said it, they had everything they needed to do it, but it's not time yet. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house, my house, lie in waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat and you have not enough. You drink and you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it. He's given promises here. You do what I'm asking you to do, and I'm going to take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Then he said this, you looked for much, but lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Wow, can you imagine that? You bring home a big fat check, a big fat wad of cash, and all of a sudden someone turns on one of those industrial fans and it blows and all your money's just gone. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. I feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost, and I don't mean to beat anybody up, but some of y'all are feeling this right now, right where it hurts. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labor of the hands. So this building project had been forgotten about. And the Lord, see, here's what happened. The Lord had started to bless them when they started building the temple and the foundation was laid and there was a lot of joy and there was a lot of celebration. You can read about it in the book of Ezra. You can read about all these things that, that, that happened. 
Um, and, and so the Lord began to bless them. He began to prosper them in every way. He began to bless their businesses. He began to bless their labors. He began to bless their homes. He began to bless their finances and their families and their crops and their vines and their fields. But by the time we get to this text in Haggai, things had shifted. They started building the house of the Lord and God started blessing them. And because of the, when the blessings came, they stopped working on the house of the Lord and started working on their own houses. They're supposed to be building the house of the Lord, but instead they're adding on an extra car garage so they can put in the new car that they just got. And, and, and they're, they're, they're building a, a bigger room in their house when they're supposed to be building the house of the Lord. It's just trying to a modern day application. God was blessing them because they were doing his work. Because they were under the windows of heaven and they were putting God first. That's the title of this lesson today is putting God first. They're putting God first. And as they put God first, he started blessing every area of their lives. But then all of a sudden they stopped putting God first. And, and they started making every excuse they could not to come to church. And they started making every excuse they could why they couldn't give their tithes. Or they started making every excuse as to why they couldn't fulfill the duties that they used to fulfill in the house of the Lord and they're, they're seeing the things that need to be done that they used to do and all of a sudden they, they just don't want to do it anymore because oh I want to you know the Lord's blessed me I got comfortable I get I get complacent and now I can just take care of all my own stuff because I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord and now I can just do all this stuff and and God must have given me all this because because I'm in good shape and so I can just go do all this stuff and and, and worry about my house and forget about his house That's the picture that Haggai is painting. And so what happened was the fountain dried up. The windows closed. Because God's not going to waste it. I and mean, no one's in position anymore, so what's the point? A drought hit the land, and instead of being in a season of plenty, they had entered into a season of famine. The flow of the blessing seemed to have stopped, and whatever increase they did receive, it was like going into bags with holes in it. As soon as something, as soon as something extra came in, the car broke down. Or the refrigerator goes out. Or some unexpected medical expense. Bags with holes. You got a little extra Christmas bonus? And then all of a sudden, gas prices go through the roof again. <laughs> and it's all because the house of the Lord was neglected while their houses were looking mighty fine. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, I'm not putting at anybody, I'm not pointing at anybody, I'm not... I'm not trying to beat us up. I'm just trying to paint a picture of what happens when we don't put the house of the Lord first and we don't put the Lord first. When we put him first, we put ourselves in a position to be blessed by God. And he does. He blesses us and he keeps us. And I'm so grateful that he doesn't just close the windows just the, the first time I get out, out of place a little bit. 
because he gives me a chance, brand new mercies every morning. And, you know, but, but after a while, he said, hold on a second, because, you know, the next time I go three steps over, and then it takes me a little longer to get back. But then I get, oh, and then the Lord's merciful, and he helps me out, and, and he blesses me again. But then, then this time I go five or six steps. And then, you know, I, after a while, I kind of get back, and he's merciful, and he blesses me. But eventually, I'm way over there somewhere, not even in the door anymore. What happened? And then all of a sudden, God's like, well, you know, I gave you chance after chance, and here comes the drought. Now, last year, and we haven't talked about Christmas for Christ yet this year, but last year I challenged our church to give a $10,000 offering to Christmas for Christ. And, wow, I was so super godly proud when between our two churches, between the Spanish work and our, our church, we gave $15,000 to Christmas for Christ last year. What an awesome thing that was. What an amazing thing that was. And we're going to give a good offering this year and all that stuff. But And I, I told you when I made that challenge that God was going to bless you. If you gave Jesus your best offering, that he was going to bless you. And I've watched over the past year as God has done that in many ways for many of us. We've heard testimonies of God giving tenfold and twentyfold and thirtyfold blessings. I'm so, it's so awesome how God has miraculously provided and done so many things. What happened? We positioned ourselves under the windows of heaven and God poured out blessings unto us. That's what happened, and God wants to continue that, and he wants to make sure that we're staying in that position. So in this series, we're going to learn not only how to get in position, but we're going to learn how to stay there. Amen. And I, this is not beating anybody up, but let me, let me just ask a question out there, and, and, and if it hits you hard and steps on your toes... Well, I'm not going to apologize because it's the word of God. I can't, I can't apologize. But I'm not meaning to hurt you or hurt your feelings. But what have you done with the blessings of God that he gave you in this year? When God blessed you, did, was your first thought what you could buy for yourself, what you could do for yourself? Or Listen, I'm not saying you can't have nice things, and I'm not saying it's wrong for you to get a new car, and I'm not saying it's wrong for you to add uh, a, an addition to your house, especially if you need it. You know, God will provide those things. Listen, don't, do, please don't take this the wrong way, but, but was your first thought for something that you wanted to do, or was it for something that the church needed, or for something in the kingdom? Listen, this is not me trying to get more money out of you. All right? I'm not, I'm not, God, God can take care of himself. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. But I'm just trying to help us position ourselves. When God gave us blessings, okay, when, when he gave you a, a, a new job with different times and different schedules, and now you had more time to work with, what did you do with that time? Did you even consider dedicating a little bit more time to the house of God or to the kingdom of God? Did you think that maybe God helped you free up that time so you could teach a Bible study? Or help with Sunday school? I, I told you, it's not all about money. It's just, it's just uh, God's blessed us in so many ways. 
some of us, some of us have skills, skill sets, talents, and aptitudes that God has given you. You're good at, 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 at something. We're all good at something. Still trying to figure out what I'm good at, but other than fishing. But... <laughs> And telling dad jokes. <laughs> but, you know, if you have a talent or a gift, it, it, maybe you're just really good at, at organizing events. I'm so thankful for Sister Maggie stepping up and helping us organize so many events. And in this past year, God has blessed her and God has, she has said, you know what, I'm available. And, and, and God is blessing her and God is blessing her family. And and there's going to be so many blessings. She's positioning herself. And, and there's so many others. I'm just trying to challenge us to say, hey, what am I doing with everything that God has blessed me with? If you got a new car, praise God. I'm grateful. Have you offered to bring anybody to church? Man, please, I'm not, I'm trying to smile here. I don't, I don't hope my face is not looking all mean. I know, I know that you're, I know you, maybe some of you are feeling kind of beat up. That's called conviction. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to challenge you, though. I do want to challenge us. Because if I can challenge you just a little bit to just get one step closer to being under that window, then God's going to pour out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. And then the body of Christ is going to be blessed because you're lined up. And you're going to offer whatever it is that you have so that God can use you. Maybe you, God has blessed you with a beautiful, wonderful smile that just lights up the room. Man, you ought to be back there begging Brother Redway to be at the door to greet people. We need that. I mean, let me just say it like this. If, if you wake up every morning looking on your face like you just ate a lemon or, or a tamarindo or something, I mean, I can't tell you all that story right now. Those things are sour, but. You wake up every morning with, with a sourpuss face. Don't be standing at the door trying to greet people. We'll find something else for you to do. <laughs> because when people come in, I want them to see the joy of the Lord. I want them to see a smile. I want them to feel welcome. I want them to, I, I want them to know that, that, that we're excited to be here too. And we're excited they're here. Amen boy okay i haven't even gotten the notes yet it's almost 12 o'clock so all of that stuff right so then the lord calls for a drought and a famine and all that stuff and then they repented they repented and they started getting back in alignment and they started building the house of the lord and in verse 13 of haggai chapter 1 haggai the messenger of the lord spoke to the people with the lord's message and he said i know this is in the english standard version but he said i am with you declares the Lord. When you start doing the work of God, he's always going to be with you. If you will position yourself in the, under the windows of heaven, you, you begin to say, Lord, here I am. Send me. What is it you want me to do? He will always be with you. Amen. Amen. Paul said it like this in Colossians 3, verse 2, set your minds on things and your affections. In the King James Version, in the English Standard, it says your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth. And then Jesus said in Matthew 6, 30, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and all its righteousness and all, and its righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. When we start taking care of God's business, he takes care of our business. Amen. All right. So here we are. We're getting into notes now and it's almost time to be done. <laughs> but here's the series, the big idea for this whole series to continue living a blessed life. We honor God with our blessings. When God blesses us, we honor and we turn it back to him. Amen. And today's big idea is to continue living a blessed life. We must put God first. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 9 and 10. The basis of this whole series. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Did you have a comment, Sister Trudy? Go ahead. Amen. 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 That's a testimony right out of somebody. I mean, I wasn't planning on that, but she's saying she's tried this. This this uh this verse is tried and proven in her life. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase, not just your money and all that, but all of your increase, anything you're increased in. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. There's the basis for everything. Let me tell you a story. There's a little boy named Ezra. He was a vibrant, curly-headed, six-year-old boy. And he's slipping around to the backside of the tent that his family called home. He's an Israelite boy. And he's gazing open-mouthed as his father is binding the feet of a frightened lamb and putting that lamb up on the pole and putting him on the altar and reverently cutting his throat. It's a disturbing scene for a six-year-old boy. Probably they've pampered this lamb for quite some time. And for the six-year-old boy, he probably was a little bit attached to it. And so that disturbing scene when suddenly that lamb is slain kind of clashes with the excitement of the time that was called Passover, the biggest holiday that they celebrated in Jew that they celebrate in Jewish culture. Just yesterday, him and his father walked carefully through the flocks, and they grabbed that one little lamb and found him, and, and, and they chose the very best lamb that they had to offer, even at that little tender age of that lamb. And so this little boy at six-year-old watches his father sacrifice the very best that he had to offer. Kind of, you know, six-year-old kids, they, you know, they, he probably kind of remembers last year, but, oh, man, the same thing kind of happened last year. and Maybe it, it probably happened before that. And, and he probably realizes that, man, his parents are going all out for this Passover celebration, this feast of unleavened bread. And he's in his mind, his little six-year-old mind, he's trying to figure it all out. 
And they're getting there ready to eat the Passover lamb. And Ezra gets up on the table and kind of scoots over to his dad. As he's eating some bread. Can't stifle his curiosity any longer. And he says, Daddy, Abba, as they would say in Hebrew, what does all of this mean? I could imagine the father would be overjoyed that the son would ask that question. Yesterday, Lucy came to me and she said, Daddy, is Jesus God of everything? Oh, that's a great dad moment right there. Yes, he is. Let's talk about this a little bit. And I love it when my kids ask questions like that. And so this is what he would have responded. If you look in Exodus chapter 13, verses 14 through 16, I'm going to be reading it in the New Living Translation. With the, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. I may not be reading the whole thing, Eliezer, I apologize. But Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, so the Lord killed all the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, both people and animals, and that is why I now sacrifice all the firstborn males to the Lord, except that the firstborn sons are always brought back. And then the father added this, It is a reminder that the power of the Lord's mighty hand brought us out of Egypt. Why are we celebrating this Passover? Why are we doing all of these feasts? Because they are vivid reminders that people who put God first in their lives will enjoy God's protection and blessings. That's what that dad was trying to tell that little boy. In this series, we're going to look at these principles that will help us maintain a posture of thankfulness, which will position us to live a blessed life. For contrary to widespread philosophies of this world that we live in today, putting God first is always the right thing to do. By the way, we are in the notes now, so. <laughs> you can maybe follow along a little bit. <laughs> it's 12 o'clock and we're in the notes. Yes, I got one minute before 12. I did okay. Humanistic cultures, like the one we live in now, have always focused on the power of people and the right of every person to pursue their own happiness. And I'm ruffle some feathers. I believe in the United States of America. I believe in our Constitution. And every man has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But not at the expense of everybody else and not at the expense of God and his kingdom and his purpose. Some cultures actually put a high value on self-centeredness and pride. But Scripture teaches us something very different. The Bible is always countercultural, by the way. <laughs> and the church ought to be countercultural. We're supposed to stand out and be different and separate from the world, not looking like the world trying to blend in. <laughs> the Bible dem demonstrates that it is morally right to put God first. It also makes it very clear that honoring and obey, obeying God frees God up to bless our lives in ways that he would not otherwise be able to bless us. We're positioning ourselves under the windows of heaven when we put God first in our lives. For example, he can only forgive us. Brother James talked about it at the beginning of service. He can only forgive us if we confess that he's Lord 
repent of our sins, ask for his forgiveness, and then are baptized in his name for the remission of sins. As much as he would like to wash our sins away, that can only be accomplished if we obey his command to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. You've got to be born of water and spirit, otherwise you're not in the kingdom. And so, if I will take God at his word, and I'll follow the principles I find in the word, then all the promises in the book are mine. But many of the promises that are in this book are conditional. Not conditional on me earning it, but conditional on me obeying. And if I'll obey what it says here, then he'll release the blessings that it says in here. Amen? And part of that is putting him first. God has great plans for us, but he is bound to operate within the boundaries that he has established in this book. It's forever settled in heaven. It's not going to change because he doesn't change. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so he's already set the parameters. The, the dimensions uh, under the windows of heaven are already set. And if we'll get ourselves under the window by just obeying what's in the word, if I'll get in the book and stay in the book, then the blessings in the book will be mine. But when I get out of the book, he's not obligated to bless me any longer. But he wants to bless me. He wants to bless me. We need to get a hold of that. He wants to bless me. He eagerly awaits the opportunity to bless us, but he's just waiting for us to get in the book. Putting God first is imperative for all believers because there is no neutral zone in the universe. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, maybe I can explain it like this. Straddling the fence is not very comfortable. And eventually you're going to fall off on one side or the other. When I was stationed in South Korea with the United States Army, when I first flew into Korea, I flew into Seoul, Korea, and not too far from Korea, from Seoul, like right literally in that, in that city, we're on a bus and we're driving and there is a wall in between North Korea and South Korea. And around that wall is what's called the DMZ, which means the demilitarized zone. It's, no, it's supposed to be a neutral zone. There's supposed to be, the, there, there's supposed to be this place where no, 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 uh, there's going to be no combat in this area. But you stay on your side and I'll stay on my side and we're going to be all right. But let me tell you, there were North Korean soldiers on top of that wall with rifles pointed at us, at us as we drove by on the bus to go to our duty stations. It wasn't really a neutral zone. The minute we even looked like we were going to turn towards that wall and step into there, they were going to militarize us. <laughs> there is no neutral zone when it comes to spiritual warfare. There is a battle for our souls, and it is going on every single moment of every single day, and there is no neutral zone. Either you are for God or you're against him. That's just the way it works. This one foot in and one foot out just doesn't work. You're either all in or you're all out. 
That's God's eyes. Mankind will either honor God and his kingdom by obeying his principles, or they will by default, by default oppose God. The book of Isaiah sums it up like this, Isaiah 45, 20 through 23. Gather together and come, you fugitives from surrounding nations. What fools they are who carry around their wooden idols and pray to gods that cannot save. Consult together. I'm reading this in the New Living Translate. Oh, it's up there. Good. In the New Living. Excellent. Consult together. Argue your case. Get together and decide what to say. Who made these things known so long ago? What idol ever told you they would happen? Was it not I, the Lord? For there is no other God but me, a righteous God and Savior. There is none but me, a righteous God and Savior. None but me. Let all the world look to me for salvation. For I am God, there is no other i have sworn by my own name i have spoken the truth and i will never look at this i will never go back on my word every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to me one way or another sooner or later i'd rather do it here on earth while i still got a chance to make it to heaven instead of spend eternity wishing i had done it while i was here He will never go back on his word. So if I will align myself up with his word, then everything he said in a book, he'll do for me. And if I don't, then everything he said in a book, he'll do. Do I need to get specific? Don't have time for that. Use your imagination or read it yourself. In the story that I told about those feasts with the little boy Ezra, God was demonstrating his sovereignty by taking the lives of the Egyptians firstborn in that plague. And he did this because Pharaoh refused to submit to his rule. And that's what Passover is all about. The fact that the firstborn of Israel was saved while God was bringing judgment on Egypt. But the only ones that were saved were the ones that were under the blood. They had to put the blood on the, they had to slay that lamb and he had to put the blood on the doorpost. And when the death angel came through to kill the firstborn, he would pass over that house that had the blood. That's why the feast is called Passover. And the only way they could be saved is if they were in that roof, uh, in that house underneath that blood. If anybody was out, they were free game. Any house didn't have the blood, no passing over. The death angel's going to visit. So. At the same time that God required each Israelite to give their best lamb. You got to understand that. That was without blemish. It was their best lamb as a sacrifice. Those who obediently observed that very first Passover meal triggered the greatest emancipation in human history and foreshadowed the ultimate deliverance of humankind, the emancipation of all believers triggered by the death of Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God. That's why John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. That's why John in the book of Revelation said, The Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. It was God's plan all along. But in giving, we need to get this. It's in italics, I believe, in your notes. In giving God our best, we release Him to bless every part of our lives. 
Man, highlight that, underline it, write it down, do something with it. In giving God our best, we release him to bless every part of our lives. In light of this principle, there's a question that begs to be asked and answered for each one of us. If God is really sovereign, and this is I'm just going to let you think about this. We're not going to discuss it, but if God is really sovereign, what are some practical ways we can demonstrate that we are under his rule? Put him first in everything we do. Obey his word. Put, uh, you know, be in church whenever chance we get. Witness the way we're supposed to witness. Love people the way we're supposed to love people. Reach out to people the way we're supposed to reach out to them. Teach them the word when they give us the opportunity. Um, come to church and, and, and give our tithes and give our offerings and, and, and give our talents to him as well. How, how do, you know, if you got a talent, you've got a gift, you've got an aptitude, you, you love doing something, even if it's just a hobby, man, there's probably some way that God can use it in the kingdom. If you're really artistic, you can help us design stuff or help us decorate. If you, I mean, there's all kinds of things that can be done in the house of the Lord. I mean, we need people to clean the church, and we need people to do landscaping, and we need people to help us uh, take care of leaves, and we need we need people to 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 make some new curtains for the sanctuary, or we need people to we need people to to help set up the Christmas decorations when it's time to do that, or we we need people to help us with graphic design, or we need there's all kinds of things that can be done in a church. We need ushers, and we need greeters we need Sunday school teachers we there's all kinds of things that need to be done in the house of the Lord and all of us are here all of us are here there's no reason why the work of the church could should not be getting done when all of us are here if we are all putting God first there would never be this thing of, 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 of stuff not getting done and falling through the cracks I said, I'm going to do everything I can, but I can't do everything as the pastor. And that's why I need you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But I'm going to do whatever needs to be done, but I need your help. And if we'll all put God first, then God will make us a priority. Amen. Some may object to giving God priority by arguing that God wants God already has everything that he needs. Well, in some ways I'd say that's true, in other ways I'd say no he needs us. Not necessarily that he needs us, but he wants to use us. Cuz we are his hands and his feet and his mouth in this world. And he can't just give the angels the message of salvation. Angels can't preach salvation to anybody. We have to do that. Angels aren't going to teach anybody a Bible study. They might direct somebody to you so you can teach them a Bible study. That's what Cornelius did with, or what, what the angel did with Cornelius. But the angels can't preach the message of salvation. They have no way of even comprehending and understanding it. They're still trying to figure it out. That's our job. Amen. People might argue God wants us to be happy, therefore he wants us to have everything we want. Well, I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. Well, he'll give me the desires of my heart. No, it means he's going to give you what's supposed to be the desires of your heart. He's going to put his desires in your heart. Anyway. 
The universe, this is going to rub some of y'all the wrong way. The universe does not revolve around us. It revolves around a good God who can only bless those who line up with his sovereignty by living what they find in the word of God. God did not ask the Israelites to give their best lamb so he could take advantage of them. He didn't even ask for the tithes and offerings so that he could take advantage of people. He did it because he wants to bless us. But there's a principle of honoring God in everything that we do that's got to be applied. And when God sees that we're honoring him with our best and our first and that we're making him a priority, then he will release the blessings in our lives. He's good. God is good. He wants the best for us. So if he's asking us for something or requiring something of us, it's so that he can position us for his good plans and his purposes to come about in our lives. He asked for their best because putting God first triggers his blessings. Just like opening one's arms allows for a hug. I mean... You can get a hug, but if you're not really giving a hug back at the same time, it does, it's just not the same. Or if that person does, so when you open your arms and that person opens their arms and you give a hug, like that, there's a difference to that. Or think about it like this, a toddler or a baby that's, that's trying to eat food, right? And, and, you know, us parents, we do all kinds of tricks like airplane and all that stuff to try to get them to open their mouth so that they can eat the broccoli or the peas or whatever we're trying to feed them. <laughs> they don't want it. So they close their mouth and they get, a, you know, <laughs> we're trying to do all kinds of tricks to try to get them to eat their vegetables. <laughs> yeah, eat their spinach. And <laughs> but as soon as that, that baby opens the mouth, man, the parents are like, whoop. <laughs> the airplane flies in there real quick. And hopefully they, they swallow it before they realize what they did. <laughs> man, feeding a baby, I'm glad I'm past that stage. <laughs> Putting God first by honoring him and obeying his commands and principles positions us squarely on the side of the Lord. There is always a clarion question that is being asked of people all over the world, and that is, who is on the Lord's side among you? Can I ask you today, are you on the Lord's side? The entire universe is a spiritual warfare zone. Jesus said that whoever is not against us is for us, and by implication, whoever is not for us is against us. We want there to be a neutral zone because neutral is comfortable. But neutral doesn't do anybody any good, and there really is no neutrality. You're either for God or you're against him. The fifth chapter of 2 Kings gives us a clear example of God holding somebody to this principle. And we're going to try to finish up here. Naaman, the army commander for Aram, was, uh, had approached the prophet Elisha because his little wife, his wife's little handmaid, uh, he was a leper, and she said, oh, you know, you should go to the prophet in Israel and all that stuff. And, and Elisha said, if you'll go and dip in the Jordan River seven times, 
then you'll be healed. Well, Naaman had some mighty fine clothes because he was a rich guy, and uh, he didn't want to. He didn't want to get the muddy water of the of the Jordan River uh, mixed in with his beautiful clothing. I remember one time, Oklahoma, they have this red clay, and like you can hardly find a clear lake in Oklahoma because the the dirt there is red and it's muddy. And I remember we'd go swimming in these lakes, and they would be, like, just brown. And you'd get out, and if you had something white on, it wasn't white once you got out of that water. <laughs> and the boys went swimming one time, and they had this nice swimming, you know, uh, gear and, and, and white swimming. And, and, yeah, they weren't white anymore. They still aren't white to this day. It's Oklahoma, red clay. Well, that's, that's kind of like the Jordan River. And so Naaman's like, well, there's more beautiful rivers and stuff in Damascus where I'm from, and, and I, I don't want to do it God's way. And, and, and eventually, he left complaining because he didn't want to do it God's way, but because he didn't want to do it God's way, he left still being a leper. Until finally... One of his servants said, listen, if he told you to do some great and wonderful thing, would you not have done it? Do you want to be healed or not? Do you want to be blessed or not? You can't demand the blessings of God on your own terms. It doesn't work that way. Naaman was trying to demand his healing on his own terms, but it didn't work that way. But when he decided to do what the man of God told him to do and go dip in the Jordan seven times, he was healed and clean completely from his leprosy. That's how we get under the windows of heaven. Do it God's way. Stop trying to do it our way. It's in our nature to struggle with God's directives even when God is not even asking us to do something difficult. You know, because, you know, we want to be independent. We think we know better. We just want to do it our way. We want control. We want to be the king of our own lives. But the universe was invented by God, and he designed it around his kingship. We got really quiet when I said that. The universe was created by God. He hung all the stars in their places. He put the solar systems and the galaxies and all that stuff together. It's not by coincidence that there's this one little planet that is per perfectly in proportion to the sun and the moon and all that stuff so that it can sustain life. He did all of that stuff on purpose, for a purpose, and it was for us that he did it. And here we are. We've got all of these things. And, and the universe was created by him, but he's the king of the universe because he made it all anyway. He's the one that said the ocean's... To the oceans, you can only go this far. He's the one that did all that. So he, he's the king. Whether we want to admit it or not, he's king. But he'll allow us to wear the crown of our own lives if we want to. But when we do that, we're not, we're not in position to be blessed by him. The Bible is just God's way of explaining how everything was designed to work. That's awesome. The Bible is God's way. To explain how everything was designed to work. That'll get new light. Maybe that'll inspire somebody to read their Bible this week. To recognize God as king is not burdensome. It's just being honest. Because whether I believe it or not, he's king. 
Maybe I can explain it like this. When you buy a power tool, it always comes with manufacturer's guidelines. This is what the tool is for. This is how you're supposed to operate it. And as long as you stay within those guidelines, you can expect that power tool to accomplish the purpose for which it was manufactured. The minute you try to operate it outside of those manufacturer's guidelines, I mean, you might get the job done, but it won't be done as good as if you had the right tool or, or you know, at, at the very least, you're not going to get the best results. At the worst, you could be risking serious injury or death. To obey God is to operate your life according to the manufacturer's guidelines. I like that. By the way, I have to say this, and I meant to say this at the beginning. The, the skeleton of this, out, the outline of this lesson was given to me by Bishop John Hansen, and I'm just taking it and making it, kind of developing it. Um, so I want to make sure everybody understands I'm not taking credit for this whole thing. And that was his statement, <laughs> but I love it. To obey God is to operate life according to the manufacturer's guidelines. In other words, a life of obedience is a blessed life. A life of obedience equals a blessed life. Putting God first actually blesses our lives the same way that washing our hands, or that making our kids wash their hands blesses them. First, they do it just because they're told to. They're just being obedient. Hopefully, they're being obedient and doing it. But their obedience actually protects them from germs. And hopefully... <laughs> At first, it might seem like a chore or a, a drag to wash your hands. Hopefully, they'll eventually learn to wash their hands because they recognize how that one simple little discipline will ensure a better quality of life for them and the people they interact with. When we do our own thing and we expect God to tag along, it's idolatry. Let me say that again. When we do our own thing and expect God to just tag along, that's idolatry. And that's very dangerous ground. Isaiah 66, verses 3 and 4 in the English Standard, He who slaughters an ox is like one who kills a man. He who sacrifices a lamb like one who breaks a dog's neck. He who presents a grain offering like one who offers pig's blood. He who makes a memorial offering of frankincense like one who blesses an idol. This is the one I, part I want, really wanted to get to. These have chosen their own ways. Look at that. They've chosen their own ways, and their soul delights in their abominations. So all these people that were idolatrous, what did they do? They chose their own ways. You choose to do it your way, all you're doing is being an idolater. And what does God say he'll do in verse 4? In the English Standard, it says this. It says, I, will, I also will choose harsh treatment for them and bring their fears on them. When I try to do it my way and get God to tag along, I'm basically making myself God and him my servant. And I'm making myself the idol that I worship. And when I do that and I choose my own ways, God is going to choose harsh treatment for me. Boy, that hit hard. That hit hard. But you know what? The positive twist of that is, is if I'll choose his ways, 
I'll put him first and I'll line myself up with his word. He won't deal harshly with me. He'll deal harshly with my enemies. And he'll deal gently with me and generously with me. And he'll help me and he'll bless me. If I will just do it his way, then he'll bless me his way. And he can bless me far better than I could ever bless myself. Come on, somebody. God can bless you far greater than you could ever bless yourself. God's got blessings for you you could never even fathom and imagine. It can't even enter into your mind because you can't even comprehend it. But you've just got to learn how to do it his way. And if you'll do it his way, he will allow you to walk in places you've never walked before, never thought you could walk. He'll allow you to do things you never thought you could do. And he will bless you in ways that you never even imagined. He wants to bless us. He wants to deal gently with us and generously with us. But he cannot do so. If we're not willing to put him first and let him truly be king in our lives. And sometimes that means that in order for God to gently deal with us, we've got to first deal harshly with ourselves. Brother James talked about at the beginning. We need to learn how to crucify this flesh and die to ourselves. That's why I pray every single day I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. This life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Galatians 2.20. Paul said things like, I need to mortify my flesh. And, and, and then he said things like, we got to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto him. Jesus said, i got to pray, not my will, but thine be done. I, Jesus said, I, if any man's going to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's not a pleasant thing. i got to learn how to deal harshly with my own flesh. I got to learn how to die every single day so that I can live in the spirit and so he can bless me the way that he wants to bless me. That's why fasting is such an integral part of the Christian life. It is dealing harshly with ourselves. There's a word in there that I did not intend to be in there in your notes. You need to cross that out. <laughs> And say and put dealing instead of the word that is there. I apologize for that autocorrection that was done. <laughs> Fasting is an integral part of the Christian life. It is dealing harshly with ourselves by denying what we want so that we can position ourselves to do his will. When we do the will of the king, we get the blessings of the kingdom. Underline that, highlight it, write it down, put it somewhere on your bulletin board or on your refrigerator or steering wheel or something. When we do the will of the king, we get the blessings of the kingdom. This concept of putting God first is so important to our success that God established some special days and traditions to help his people keep the principle uppermost in their minds because he knows that people need to do things that remind them of God's greatness and God's goodness. We need to be encouraged to put God first. Because when we put God first, we're giving him permission to bless our lives in a myriad of ways. 
he put all those feasts in the Old Testament just so they could remember. And the more they remembered and celebrated and said thank you, the more he blessed them. That's what Thanksgiving is all about. And here we are in the getting ready to come up on Thanksgiving Day. There are other ways to acknowledge God's lordship in our everyday lives, like saying grace before our meals or beginning each day with prayer or uh, these little habits, singing and worshiping the Lord. Um, whenever we face trouble, it, it reminds us that God's in charge whenever we have problems. And, you know, these habits become triggers by which God can bless our lives. We are blessed when we choose to put God first in everyday gestures and when we gather for special celebrations. Because when he is exalted, we are blessed. When he is exalted, we are blessed. So ask yourself the question. Think about the times when you remember putting God first in everything. How did he bless you when you did that? And if you've never done that, I challenge you to try it. Because the bottom line, and I want you to stand with me, please. We're going to close in prayer. It's already 1230. We're not going to linger much longer because I just feel like you need to just receive this. But the bottom line is that putting God first puts us in the flow of his blessings. Putting God first puts us in the flow of his blessings. Again, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. There is an obvious cause and effect relationship that is being conveyed here. God wants to fill our barns. But it only comes as a result of us honoring him. We started with Haggai. We're going to end with Haggai, chapter 2, verses 18 to 19. The Lord spoke to me from this passage of Scripture this week. Consider now from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, listen to this, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, from the day that you started putting God first, from the day you started building his kingdom and working to do what he wants you to do, consider it. Verse, nine, verse, eight, or verse 19 says, Is the seed yet in the barn? Listen to that. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth. But from this day, from the day that you started doing God's work and putting God first, from this day will I bless you. Receive that as a word from the Lord today. From the day that you start putting God first, he will bless you. If you're struggling in an area, is maybe there's a reason why you haven't been putting God first, and that's why you've got a struggle in that area. But if you will put him first in that area, he'll begin to bless you from that very moment. When they started building the house of the Lord, from that day forward, the Lord began to bless them. He began to end the season of drought and famine. And he started sending the rain. And he started sending the fruitfulness. Because the minute they reversed their behavior of getting out from under the windows of heaven and got back in under the windows of heaven, he opened them again and reversed the curse that he had put on the land. They put themselves once more in a posture and a position of honoring God and obeying his word. 
And he opened the windows and the blessings began to flow. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Is the seed yet in the barn? Some of you have things to offer to the Lord that you haven't offered yet. You've got seed in the barn. Some of you have things that you were supposed to give to the Lord that you haven't given yet. The seed is in the barn. Some of you have the ability to teach Bible studies and you haven't done it yet. Some of you have talents that you haven't offered to the Lord yet. But those talents and those opportunities are seeds that are already in the barn. God has already given you the seed. Some of you have a promise some of you have a purpose. Some of you have a call that God has already spoken to you. And when he spoke it, it was a seed that God put in your barn. What are you doing with the seed that he gave you? As we close the service this morning, I want to tell you that there is seed that is in your barns that needs to be sown. I'm not talking about money, but maybe there is money that you could sow into the kingdom. Maybe it's a talent Maybe it's just something that you can do. Maybe it's telling somebody at work about Jesus that you know that you're supposed to have told them a long time ago and you haven't done it, but God's going to give you another chance. There's seed in the barn. Because that seed, now I want to tell you this, is that seed holds within it the potential for multiplication. There's a principle of sowing and reaping that you always reap more than you sow. One seed always bears more than one one piece of fruit or one grain. Seed was never intended to stay in the barn. It was created to be planted so that it can be multiplied. And God wants to multiply some things in our lives. The seed is already in the barn. We just got to sow it into the soil of his kingdom. That talent, that skill, that extra time that you've got, that, 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 the extra finances that you've got, that just whatever it is that God has blessed you with, part of that blessing was a seed so that you can sow into the kingdom. And God said that when we sow, he will multiply the seed for the sowing and he will give increase would you lift your hands to the lord lord i thank you for the principle we found in your word today lord i'm asking you forgive me if in any way i have not put you first God, I'm praying for everyone that is under the sound of my voice right now that we would make a determination right this moment from this day forward that, God, we are going to put you first in everything, every area of our lives, relationships, time, the way we spend our time, the way we use the resources that we have, the way we conduct ourselves, whatever we, uh, whatever little things that you have blessed us with, whatever seeds they are, God, there is seed in the barn. There is seed in our barn that you have given us, God. We need to sow that seed for you were never intended 
intended the seed to stay in the barn. In fact, the man that tried to store up all the grain and building new barns, his life was required of him because he didn't understand the principle that the seed is given so that it could be sown, so that it could multiply. Seed that stays in the barn will never multiply, but seed that is planted in the ground will multiply. And so God, I'm speaking over this congregation right now to everyone that is under the sound of my voice that every seed they have in their barn that they sow into the kingdom is going to bring a multiplication that is beyond their imagination God I speak it right now in the name of Jesus I pray Lord that you would help us in everything we do to put you first We'll give you the first of our day. We'll give you the best of our time. We'll give you the first and the best of everything we have. We are going to put you first. We're going to put you on the throne of our lives. We are going to place ourselves under the windows of heaven, not because we're trying to get you to to give us something, but simply because we love you and we want to be about your business. And we know that you're going to take care of us. And we also know that there's a great harvest and a a, a great uh, revival that you want to give us and we've got to sow the seeds that are going to bring that to pass lord we put you first you deserve all the glory all the honor all the praise every praise is to our god every praise is to our god every praise is to our god we give ourselves to you Everything that I am, I will bless the Lord at all times and your praise shall continually be in my mouth in everything that I do. I give myself to you. I give my best to you so that you can give your best to me. Here I am, Lord. My life and everything that I am is yours. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Therefore, I want to glorify you in my body and in my spirit, which are yours. You paid the price for me, and I could never repay you. But I'm going to spend my whole life trying to repay you for everything that you've done for me. I'm yours, Lord. Everything I am and even everything that I'm not all my faults and weakness and frailties and all my gifts and talents and skills and everything that I have and everything that I'm not, Lord, I just place myself in your hands so that you can make me into who you want me to be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for revealing your will to us. We want to put you first in everything. Because in putting you first, we're always doing the right thing. And in putting you first, we're opening up the flow of your blessings in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. I know this was different today, but I hope that God has touched your heart. And I hope that you are going to take the principle that we talked about today and put it into action and application in your life. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face 
to shine upon. You don't forget Spanish service tonight and our Thanksgiving fellowship on Tuesday night at 6.30. Come and let's just have a great time and eat a lot of food. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. In